0: Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Joel Coleman of Sports Illustrated's Cowbell Corner, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. Now, get ready for Thunder and Lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Adad and Joel T. Coleman Woo. here with you on a Thursday morning. Thanks for joining us at supertalk.fm. Or wherever it is you get podcasts from. We appreciate all of you guys, our great listeners, especially our servicemen who went out there taking care of us. I want to thank our sponsors at Strange Brew Coffee House and Churnin' and Spoon Ice Cream. If you're gonna be up here for the next couple days for MSU baseball, well then there's just no better place to go than Strange Brew Coffee House. They've been serving you guys for so so long, and they're gonna to continue to do that for so so long. Let's get your day started, get your mid afternoon boost, or give yourself a little something on the way home from work. Because honestly, I understand. As a father, Joel, you get it. Sometimes a little boost before you go home is what you need. You need that last little oomph to get you over the edge, get you over the hump until it's bedtime. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta outflank your opponent. They have more energy than you. Yeah. Naturally, you've got. to... Unfortunately, you got to juice up a little bit. Yeah, might even advise double fisting. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be against it. Maybe hot and cold. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Because that way, you know, it, it, the the body doesn't know. What, Got to shock the system. <laughs> See what I'm getting at. So, strange brew coffee house, turn and spoon, and of, of course that's turn and spoon's like these kids will not be quiet, but I bet ice cream will shut them up. That's 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 like the last yeah. resort. Get you five or ten minutes apiece there. Yeah, I'm like just 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 eat the ice cream quietly, please. could you put like some marshmallow in there? Something that will stick their lips together <laughs> so that they eat quietly. <laughs> Love my kids. I'm sure Joel does too. Uh, our good friends over at College Corner want to keep you hooked up in maroon and white gear. And they've got three different ways to shop. They've got two locations in Jackson. So you, here's what you can do. You go over to the Ridgeland location over there by Fleet Feet. You go over to the Flowood location over there by the Half Shell. Check them both out. See what's there. Might have some different stuff at each one. So you, didn't, you know, you're like, hey, I like this. Ooh, I like this too. Bam. Two decisions. Or you can always just shop online and see the whole lot the biggest and best selection of MSU merchandise that's available at collegecornerstore.com. John and I were talking about tacos a minute ago. That got me thinking that uh, we still, I still have to take you to lunch at Humble Taco. We need to make that happen. We do need to make that happen. I mean, we just need to. I'm just saying. So, Humble Taco, we've talked about it a, a bunch of times here on the show. Mexican fare with Mississippi roots, and it really is something when you look up and down the menu at all the great local products that they've taken and made a twist on, made a spin on, starting, of course, with that famous tortilla with the Vardaman sweet potato flour. Delicious, adds a lot to the, tor- to the taco. Something about a taco, you know, you, know, you think about, you know, you, you get the, the bags of tortillas that you, you, you have at home, right? And they're good. There's something about a handmade tortilla. It just adds to the experience of your taco. And I, I don't know how to describe it. It's kind of weird, but it, it really does make a, make it different. And then we're talking about, you know, fresh ingredients, local ingredients, man. You just cannot go wrong. There's something on this menu for just about everybody. Vegetarian options, vegan options, keto options, whatever you're looking for. They got you covered. And of course, if you want to want to get the you want to have a little party, a little fiesta. You can have that at Humble Taco as well. Great patio, margaritas on tap, lots of cold beer, great wine list. They've got it all over there at Humble Taco. Baseball tonight, Thursday. Baseball today, first and foremost. It is opening day. It is. It is. I am, another year for Joel to believe. I
1: mean, there is no doubt in my mind that come it's October,
0: long December, I will be
1: spraying Mountain Dew, to believe, streaking through the Cotton District. i hope it
0: happens you know if my team can't win and i'll be honest with you they cannot i will uh i will i will. might as well just i want my my co-host to be happy and i want to really i want to see his mugshot when he's arrested for indecent exposure like is this guy high on like six drugs no his team won the world series that's why he's smiling (laughs) like that he's got like the joker smile working ear to ear baby (laughs) But opening day for Major League what Baseball. What Ray Stevens say?
1: Wearing nothing but a smile. Like, <laughs> they call him Streak.
0: Yes, that's yeah. <laughs> My favorite Ray Stevens song. Can you guess it? Uh, sleepy little town of Pascagoula. No. I don't no. know No, you know. I think you know what it is. Come on. They yeah. have the A-rap. Come on, man. What? Oh. Shake of the burning sand. Oh, okay. I mean, yeah, it's got to be right. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Ah, Should have known that. You should have. Uh, Baseball at Denny Noble Field. Mississippi State, Kentucky, Nick Mangione brings his Wildcats. His surprisingly good Wildcats uh, will be in town. This is a team, you know, I would have said probably towards the bottom of the SEC as a total. Not just the SEC East, but the SEC as a total. But they are 18-4 on the year. They're 5-1 in the conference. And look, you can point to the fact that they've played... uh, Auburn, and uh, Missouri. When two bad teams get together, somebody's got to win and somebody's got to lose. Kentucky has won these games. They've put themselves in a position. They're 5-1. and one. What do they need to do the rest of the way? How many more games they got? 24? And if they go 10-14, and 14, they're in. They're in the NCAA tournament, which would be a huge boost for Nick Mangione's program. Uh, in in year what is this year four now I guess Gosh it's been that long I guess it has man um, good hitting team not a lot of power although TJ Colette does have eight home runs for them but hitting three hundred as Maybe a team year five actually seventeen well I mean I don't count last year I have just determined I don't count it like when I say if I say last season I mean nineteen <laughs> that's fair I mean I, that's just that's the only way my brain can reconcile everything that's going on. Yeah, I think the
1: media guy would say fifth season,
0: but yeah, probably. I, I'm so. with you. It's, it's say five with an with an asterisk. <laughs> um, as I was saying though, pretty good hitting team. They're hitting 300 as a team. Uh, Colette's the guy with the power, eight home runs on the year. Um, leading hitter is Austin Schultz, 352 on the air. He's slugging 484. This team's slugging 486 as a team. So they, you know, they sort of. Look like an old Mississippi State team, to be honest with you, in terms of they hit a lot of doubles. They've got uh, already 44 doubles on the season. They've got eight triples on the season already. I mean, that's a that's an unusual stat. Um, and 25 uh, home runs on the year. Like I said, slugging 486. Just pretty solid lineup up and down when you look at their, their, their guys who are their everyday starters. 352, 327, 324, 315, 299, 281, 272, 259. They put the ball in play. Yep. and that's that's a good thing for them from a pitching standpoint they're, they you know they're pretty good again uh, you can look at their 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 main starters uh, Ryan Hagenow, 1.0 ERA uh, in 18 innings he's given up uh, just two earned runs um, Cole is it Stoop or Stup? Hey spell it. S <laughs> T U P P S T U P P I'd say Stup. Stup 3-0 in the season and five starts, 1.47 ERA. Um, excuse me, Mason Hazelwood, 2.13 ERA, five starts for him, five starts for Zach Lee. I don't think I've seen the uh, the rotation yet for Kentucky. I looked a, earlier and it was not posted. Nor have we seen it for Mississippi State, although Chris Limones did say on Monday, Sports Talk Mississippi, they plan to go with the same uh, three guys, McLeod on Thursday, uh, Bednar on, Saturday, on Friday, and then Fristo on Saturday. That of course could change. You never know, but it seems like that's pretty locked in. Yeah, well, are you I mean, surprised they, they, they posted
1: it today? They so, posted. It. Okay. Yeah.
0: Are you surprised that they're not going to make a little bit of a shift with the, the you know the extra day. The I'm the, uh, sorry, the short week.
1: Nah, nah. Because I mean, w- what could you do there? Really? I mean, you, you just would, keep your guys. In you order would need you roll to start
0: somebody other than you would have to push McLeod and, and Sarantola back a day. So they would go Friday, Saturday, and somebody else had and to and start somebody on Thursday. Could Houston, Houston Harding, Harding do that? Yeah, I, don't I, know I guess you
1: mean. could, but I'm not surprised. In answer to your question, yeah. no.
0: Um,
1: I'm trying to see if Kentucky has has what announced their uh, rotation yet.
0: Let's see. I'm sure. I'm sure. It's. I'm sure. If you can find it, I'm sure it's on Twitter somewhere. Um, what I what I'm interested in, in this series, or at least what has my attention, is this. And I just sort of brought it up that Kentucky is a team playing with a lot of confidence right now. They're 5-1 and in the conference. They're 18-4. and they, they just swept Auburn. Mississippi State, from a mental standpoint, coming off of a sweep, obviously they're going to be looking to bounce back. But and it's just normal. There's going to be that little thing in the back of your head wondering, you know, are we as good as we think we are? Mentally, who's in the better spot right now, do you think? I mean, probably Kentucky right? That's the first thing that jumps to
1: mind because as we talk about this, the old saying comes to mind, it's not who you play, it's when you play them. And right now, if you're Kentucky, you don't care that it's oh, we, we're we 5-1, and one, but it was just Missouri and Auburn we beat. No, so they're not definitely there. not saying that. They don't that, give no. a crap. They're sitting there saying, we're 5-1, and one, we can beat anybody. And they're going to come up here to Starkville and if they do something early in that game tonight, I don't think they're going to do what Arkansas did and just start dropping bombs in the first inning against Christian McLeod just right. because that's very rare to see. But, you know, if they get up one nothing, 2 nothing, 3 nothing early on in the game, third inning, I mean, watch out, man, because the scariest thing in the world is an SEC-caliber athlete that then you go ahead and add that confidence piece on top of them. And if Kentucky comes in here already feeling good about itself and then they get up early and kind of quiet down duty noble just a little bit, they're going to look up at that scoreboard and say, hey, we're 5-1 and one, and now we're beating the nation's number eight team that was, you know, number three. Not that long. I mean, they're going to start thinking that we can win this thing. And I, mean, I ain't going to say the series is over by any stretch, but Kentucky's a very dangerous club right now. And, and states in one of those spots right now where... All it's going to take is a bad thing or two to where you you get that oh crap here we go again feeling yeah and in baseball that's real that's a very real thing it when is. you get
0: that oh crap here remember remember? for like a two seasons the bottom of the eighth
1: yeah it, it becomes a it mental becomes a hurdle thing. and if if suddenly state is behind in the game again like they were against Arkansas a lot and they're suddenly having to play from behind again that's not going to do a darn thing for an offense that's not really been all that consistent. You're going to get those A-Bs where guys are pressing, guys are chasing out of the zone, guys are trying to do too much, and instead of just, you know, hitting the ball on the ground, maybe, you know, getting through the infield or something, they're going to be up there trying to hit the seven-run homer and swinging under balls or popping them up or, you know, weak contact. State needs something good to happen early and, and, and kind of get that, you know, swag back a little bit. Under, the, under their stuff and be like, oh yeah, we are one of the top teams in the country. Uh, they, they really, that's big any weekend, but I feel like this weekend it's really big. That state goes ahead and gets the sour taste out of their mouth early and gets going.
0: Is there anyone more important in terms of bouncing back than Christian McLeod? Uh,
1: probably not. Because, I mean, everybody else, you know, Will Bednar, I thought, had a, Pretty solid outing last... I mean, I know he ended up with, what, five earned runs charged to him. But, I mean, you look back at that, man. I mean, how many of those score if that crappy pop-up doesn't fall in there? So, uh, he he was pretty solid. um, And if that catch gets made, maybe three of those five runs don't even score against him. Um, Jackson Fristo looked really good until he ran into a wall there in the fourth inning Mm -hmm. on Sunday. McLeod... He just he wasn't right from the from the jump against Arkansas, and, and I think it would be very uh, beneficial, to say the least, if he comes out looking like he did. Like in Baton Rouge, man, he looked... First inning was a little rough in Baton Rouge, but he got out of it, and then he just cruised from there. Is, Christian McLeod really... <laughs> you don't want him to get back in that spot where he was three or four weeks ago yeah. when it seemed like every weekend you were kind of like, well, is he going to be the Christian McLeod of last year, or is he going to kind of
0: blow up a little bit? What about is number two on this list, Brandon Smith, because he had been really, really good. Like, I know Landon Sims is MSU's best reliever, but Brandon Smith was pushing to have that time. I mean, he had been basically unhittable. And then he went out there and looked awful against Arkansas. How important is it to get him back throwing strikes?
1: Well, it would not even... I'm trying to remember. It wasn't so much a throwing strikes deal, was it, as they just were taking him out of the yard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess there were strikes, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I'm not worried about Brandon Smith, man. I, I kind of look at his bad outing against Arkansas like I look at the team's bad outing against Arkansas. That being, I trust the 21-game sample size over the three-game sample size. Well, for Brandon Smith, that was his, what, I don't know, eighth, ninth appearance of the year. I don't know if you still got stats here in front of you, but I trust the seven or eight games he had pitched in this year. Mm-hmm. In that sample size more than
0: I trust the So you're willing to just basically and I'm not saying I disagree with you, but basically you're willing to say last weekend was an aberration top to bottom.
1: By and large, yeah. The Christian thing, the reason I think you were right with Christian is I mean, we'd seen him have some struggles and some starts previously this year. So I mean you got a little bit more reason to kinda grit your teeth a little bit with that one. But yeah, by and large, I'm willing to almost just crumple up last weekend as trash and throw it in the garbage and be like, well, it's just one of those weekends. One of the old that's baseball weekends. I I just think this team is... It's pitching, especially, is so much better than what you saw last weekend. And, I I mean, some of that's credit to Arkansas, too. I'm not just saying... I ain't saying State ran out there and crapped the bed. I'm I'm saying that Arkansas, they had they had a good weekend on top of State not playing its best ball, and you just wad that up and you throw it away and you start an, start anew this weekend. But it's why I said they got to start strong, because if they don't, then all of a sudden State's thinking back and like, oh, this is continuing, and, and you're going to get guys pressing, and you're going to get guys trying to do too much, and that is recipe numero uno for how to play losing baseball as guys go out there and do try to do more than they're capable of.
0: Do you think MSU, from an offensive standpoint, can turn things around this weekend? I mean,
1: can they? Yeah, but this team, man, I think we said it a bunch. They're not gonna be the twenty-seven
0: Yankees. We have to talk. Yeah, we sort of have to like set a uh, uh, set an example of what we mean by turning around. Like, I don't expect to come back in a couple of weeks and this team is hitting three twenty as a team, and you know, four or five guys are pushing for double digit home runs. But can they just continue to make? plays at at the plate, get timely hits, you'll know, put pressure on the opposing uh, pitcher. Can that happen?
1: I think so, cuz they they're too good, man, not to. That's what I keep coming back to. So much of the reason they haven't been putting pressure on folks is because most of the year the top of your order has been Scotty DeBrule and Rowdy Jordan, and neither one of them have really been getting on base done. That's a large part of state's offensive issue is they can't get anyone in those one-two spots on base consistently ahead of the guys that actually have been somewhat consistent with Tanner Allen and Cameron James and, and Luke Hancock and, and, to a certain extent, Logan Tanner. They they can't consistently get runners on base ahead of your boppers. And, and that's why I think it's imperative that... I say imperative. Chris Lemons knows more about baseball than I will ever know, but... I think it's so big for State to figure out a top-of-the-order mix that it is consistently getting on base, or at least try something. If that's let Br- Braylon Skinner, and I don't know what his condition is coming into this weekend because, quite honestly, we didn't get to talk to Chris Lamar right. to ask him.
0: but Talked to him on Monday, and it, I mean, it's very much day-to-day, but that was on Monday. We'll see where we are. On that's Thursday. right. He,
1: he had mentioned, too, that his he had like a hammy issue, too, right? Right. And uh, they were kind of hopeful that maybe he could play. But, that, again, that's four days ago. I don't know what's changed, if anything's changed, if Braylon's better. But if he's, if he's able to go, I mean, I'd like to see him up there at the top of the order just to see if that can spark something. Mm. I know he's done it a time or two already, but let him do it all weekend yeah. if he's able. Don't know if he is able. Right. But if he can't do it, I don't know, man. Do something crazy. Throw Forsythe up there in the one hole. I mean, he can't do any worse than, than what State's kind of been getting lately. Let's just, let's just see. He's been – he's hit well. Yeah. um, That may be asking too much of the kid. Again, you don't want a guys trying to do too much, so maybe that's not a great idea, but shake it up. I, I don't know what that is. Do something to try and get just a little – a smidgen of offensive consistency more than what you've seen so far. And uh, I I don't know what a realistic goal for this offense should be. Should it be like just get a run every couple innings? Because at that point you're going to have four or five runs a game, and with this pitching style, I feel like most nights four or five runs are going to be enough. I agree. So I don't think that the bar needs to be set incredibly high here.
0: Yeah, and I think that's what we've been saying all along, is that this team doesn't have to be 2016 where you had you know one through nine you had boppers at almost every every you know position they just need to be able to put pressure on the other team and you know put up three four five runs and that's most nights that's going to be enough it wasn't this past weekend but that's just what it is um
1: it's very much I- I was gonna say it's kind of a 2013 MSU like offense if you don't have a Renfro sitting
0: there in the middle. Right. That's the one thing this team does lack is is just that one guy that can change the game with one swing. Yeah. Hancock has a little bit of that. Tanner Allen has a little bit of that, but there's not a guy that like don't let that guy beat you. You know, I think in the bottom of the ninth with the bases loaded, I know he has a walk off grand slam, but you are comfortable pitching to, to Luke Hancock. You are comfortable pitching to Tanner Allen, whereas if Hunter Renfro or uh, Nate Lowe or, you know, Brent Rooker were up there, you you're, you might say, depending on what the score is, you might just want to walk him and just get even the bases loaded and just deal with and the next know,
1: guy. you know, not that he didn't – I mean, he had some big hits in his career, too. Just the sheer size of Wes Ray made you kind of respect him a little yeah, bit. Yeah, because you, you knew <laughs> if you <he> made <laughs> a mistake, it would yeah, end if, up outside. If you yeah, le- yeah. <laughs> he, he certainly got the pop to do it. Um, but you're right, man. I think that's one of the biggest knocks against Mississippi State right now is if you're a pitcher, there is nobody that has you shaking in your boots out there on the mound. Right. But I don't think that's really – the closest thing to it, you named him, I think, is Hancock. Mm-hmm. And maybe Cam James, just because you know that you that a little pop more. is in there. Yeah, but like Even Tanner, like you said, I mean, he, I feel good about Tanner Allen getting a hit in a clutch situation,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but I don't really feel like he's going to jack one into the plaza or something. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. So, we'll see where where it takes us. How do you see the series playing out?
1: I think State's too good to to let the snowball keep rolling downhill. I think the pitching staff is too good to have two straight bad weekends. I think the offense has enough talent to where they're not just going to, you know, roll over and die out there. So, I, I mean, I think State bounces back to win this series. But Kentucky's feeling so good about itself right now. I... It, anything other than predicting State would win the series is a little bit of a homer pick. I'll just say that. I mean, I'm not saying State can't sweep the series. They absolutely could. Mm-hmm. But to call that, as well as Kentucky's right. plan right now, is just yeah. not smart. I, so I'll say State wins the series two, two out of three. That's what I'm getting. Which win do they lose? That's a good question. Um, I don't think it's the first one, because mm-hmm. I think if you lose the first one, then You're in trouble. you get into that... Uh oh! It's another weekend like yeah. last weekend, kind of. Thing. So I'll say they, uh, I'll say Sunday. I'll yeah. say they mess around. And lose Saturday, this, yeah, the Saturday game. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't see
0: Bednar lose. I don't either. It, so. Okay, I'm probably with you on that.
1: And I mean, I think Fristo pitch will. I just think it'll be like a close game or something. Yeah, ends up losing in the end or something. Maybe
0: a defensive miscue.
1: <laughs> very much on brand. Yeah.
0: All right, let's move on over to football. That's brought to you by our good friends over at Welcome Home Beef. Definitely check them out this weekend if you're going to be in Starkville. Great products to put on the grill. If you're out there in the lounge, you should be grilling up Welcome Home Beef burgers and steaks. They've got, And, of course, they've got a lot of other great stuff there. Country-pleasing products. Everybody loves their sausages. That's great for grilling as well. And the food truck will be open all weekend for lunch. So check them out. Grab a burger on your way to the ballpark. Good stuff there. And also, we got some big news from Welcome Home Beef. We've been telling you for weeks about you know all these different... Uh, Local markets up here in North Mississippi. Well, we've got a big one. A huge event at Price Cutter in Pontotoc on uh, Saturday. A guy named John Crawford, he's going to put on a show, is what I've been told. I don't know what that means, but I do know this. Outrageous deals and an incredible quality meats are going to be available. Bring a receipt and you can grab a half-pound hamburger. That's a big burger. You know how much it's going to cost you if you bring your receipt? It shows that you bought a Welcome Home Beef product. You know what's going to run you? Nothing. Nothing. That's a free burger. So, Big Radio Remote in Pontotoc at the Price cunter this weekend. Great deals. 12 to 2 on Saturday. Go see John Crawford there in Pontotoc, and you're going to see some great, great deals from Welcome Home Beef. If you're going to be here in Starkville, swing by there. You can always call them at 662-268-8148 or visit them online at welcomehomebeef.com. Wherever you're going for welcome home beef, one thing's for sure. It just tastes good. When you're here this weekend, make sure that Two Brothers is on your list. Two Brothers Smoked Meats, what a great restaurant, one of the best here in town. And man, I've, I went i went there for lunch this past week. I've eaten Two Brothers twice in the last four days. That is a great time to be alive. <laughs> All right, And I've had different stuff too. That's the great thing, it's like... So many restaurants, you get locked in, right? You go, this is always what I get. It's, it's my usual. You know, there's some places even in this town where when I walk in, they sort of know what I'm eating, but not at Two Brothers because the menu is so good. There's just so many different things up and down it that I like to eat. So I'm just telling you, it gets. if, if I'm giving you the seal of approval in a restaurant, well then you know it's good because, well, look at me. It's just <laughs> that simple. So head over to 621 University Drive in the heart of the Cotton District Grab some barbecue, grab a burger, grab some tacos, and enjoy yourself at Two Brothers Smoked Meats. Our good friends at Advantage Business Systems have been in business for nearly 50 years, helping out businesses across this state. Guys, you just don't stay around that long if you aren't doing things the right way. If you aren't providing great service and great sales for your customers, if you aren't providing the kind of products they need to stay in business, then you're going to go out of business yourself. 50 years tells you that, hey, these guys must know something. They know how to help your business. Give them a call today and put them to work for you, setting up more profits with less problems. Call them today at 601-362-9192 or visit them online at absms.com. you find out how Advantage Business Systems will help your business do business. We do
1: have the Kentucky rotation, by the way. Give it to me. It is Ryan Haganow. Haganow. Or Haganow. I don't know how to pronounce Hagenow. it. Either way, that's tonight okay. against Christian McLeod. On Friday, it is Will Bednar against Bednar against Cole Stup. Stup. Is that what we're going with? Stup. And then on Saturday, you have Jackson Fristo against Zach Lee. There you go. Uh, we got a one-star review, by the way. I w- I'm sure it's probably somebody complaining because I say and things You know what they're complaining lot. about? The ads. They said it took up half the show like guys oh. I burned through those ads and guess what we're going to let you listen to today's show for free because yes. of those ads
0: Like, first off if you have a problem I don't care but give me the five stars if you got a problem yo I'll solve it I'll, I will not solve it <laughs> I will not solve your problem I'm just going to tell you about it no, like, the ads are half the show now I'm like dude the ads on a 30 minute show I'm doing like three minutes maybe and we usually make them interesting yeah I try to make them funny Jeez Louise. All right. Football time. Talked to Mike Leach earlier today on Sports Talk Mississippi. That interview is available for you here on this podcast feed. Just scroll down and you'll see it. Um, not a lot of football talk there, as you might, as you might imagine, when it comes to Coach Leach. But it is entertaining, so definitely uh, check that out. Um, wide receivers. Ready? Jaden Wally and... <laughs> Go. Malik Heath? Sure.
1: Uh Austin Williams? Oh, definitely. I think so, yes. Um. Give me one more. I mean, right now today, mm-hmm. I guess you have to guess Caleb Ducking, don't you? At the outside? Yeah, yeah because mean,
0: we are, know that Heath and Tula Griffin are sort of on the oh, same, on the same
1: side. side. So it's either Ducking or Spivey
0: or Polk. Polk is a guy that I keep hearing is making a good impression of himself, though. So let's talk about him in a minute. Let's start with Jaden Wally. basically state's player of the year a season ago, in mm-hmm. my opinion. I agree. Um, his evolution into a is what gave MSU's offense the the spark it had going into the second half of the season. You know, it it, it almost and again. People are going to think I'm, I'm critical of Will Rogers here, but as much as Rogers taking over that job was the emergence of Wally, and maybe that's maybe that's sort of connected. Yeah. Maybe they had good chemistry together. They they, they you know they they have that kind of relationship. And that's what sparked that. But Jaden Wally looked like MSU's best wide receiver. And I not not to hate on some of these guys, but maybe since Chad Bumpus. Because I mean, he's not the same kind of guy as Jeronya Wilson. Not the same kind of player. Yeah. And but I if you're asking me if I think bumpus over Fred Ross, yes I would. And maybe I'm biased there, but I would. But Wally looked like a guy who, if he, I mean, and I was just going to tell you, if he puts up that kind of production for an entire year, he will be first team All-SEC. Yes. Because he will catch 70 to 80 passes. Yeah,
1: well, almost the entirety of his production came in the final, what, six games or so.
0: Yes. I mean. I, mean, I don't think he had a good bowl game, but beyond that, yeah, his, his stats. Because I know he had the stretch of four straight 100-plus-yard games. Right. Right. Uh,
1: Yeah, I mean, you're right. You, you extrapolate that over a 12-game with a bowl game, 13-game season. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're looking at a guy that's going to have
0: between 11 and 1,300 yards. Right. <laughs> that's... Wally did not have a catch against LSU. Then in the next uh, four games, he had six. He Remember, he had a decent game against Arkansas. Showed you a little bit, but then he fumbled that punt. And so you were like, okay, freshman, probably not going to see much of him. Two catches against Kentucky, three catches against Texas A&M, three catches against Alabama. He had five catches against Vanderbilt, but only for 43 yards. Then it's boom, the next four games. Seven for 115, nine for 176 in the Egg Bowl, eight for 100 against Auburn, five for 129 against Missouri. Didn't do much in the, uh, the bowl game, four for 27. But yeah, he had 52 catches for 718 yards, and... Just trying to do the math as elementary as I can here, basically 500 of the yards were in four games. So, with another year of reps, with another year of working with Will Rogers, with another year of learning this offense, it feels very likely that he is going to put up the kind of numbers that a number one receiver in this offense should put up. It feels like it. You wonder how much...
1: It's tough to do this against a Mike Leach offense in particular, I guess. But, I mean, right now, Jaden Wally is the guy, if you're a defensive coordinator, you kind of circle and you're like, that guy's not going to beat me. Right. That's why it's so vital. I don't know whether it's Heath or Tulu or Caleb Ducking or insert your favorite receiver up-and-comer of choice. It doesn't matter. Somebody's got to take some of the focus off Jaden Wally, right? Right. For this offense to really become what
0: it is. Can become. Let's look at Leach's last year at Washington State. They threw the ball a ton that year. Um, they ran a the ball. They ran the ball pretty good. But that was that was. I mean, he threw for fifty six hundred yards. I'm not saying that MSU's going to do that. Outside of Max Borgie, the two leading receivers were Esop Winston and Brandon Arcanado. Is Wally Moore Winston or Arconado? Let me give you the stats. Winston had eighty five catches for nine hundred and seventy yards. So a little more of a possession guy. Arcanado had 78 for eleven oh nine, so more of the big play guy. Can Is is, is Wally Moore big play guy? He averaged 13.8 a, a catch last year. Or do you see him sort of settling in and becoming more of the possession guy? That might be Austin I, Williams' role. Yeah. I'd like to know if State develops a, a
1: deep threat presence on the outside or that something. That could to, be Ducking, as we discussed. Yeah. Could be Makai
0: Polk. I don't know if it can be Tulu Griffin... He's certainly got the speed, but when you say deep threat, I think of a 6'3", 6'4", guy, a guy who's jumping looks, up and leaping over safeties. A and guy stuff.
1: that looks like Bear.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like well, ty- like, like, Tyrell, like Tyrell Shavers would have been. Yeah. He- I think Malik Heath could be, yeah. has the frame for it. I think that I think that he's more, and of course, here's what we don't know. It's Arcanado could have just been a bit yards after catch guy. In which case, I think Wally could definitely be that. He's got a lot of elusiveness, uh, escapability. Is that the word? State has a couple of guys that can give them that, and that's something they haven't had in years past. Is a guy who can turn a quick pass into a first down. You know, if you drop the ball off to Wally or to Griffin within two yards of the line of scrimmage, they can make a man miss and turn that into a seven, eight, even a ten-yard game. No. State has not had that in the past few years. Doesn't Wally kind of not Wally?
1: Uh, Tulu. It seems like to me, just podcast host here, not a million dollar football coach. No, he kind of seems like to me he would profile more so as a slot guy.
0: Okay, this is like the biggest deb- debate of the of the right we have right now, and I agree with you a hundred percent. If you show me a five foot nine, five foot eight, five foot nine, hundred and seventy five pound, hundred and eighty pound guy, immediately I think he's going in the slot. Yeah, unless he, unless. And the only thing that can make that can make, make it make sense for me is he must have elite speed. And that you're putting him out there and letting him run some some. Let him run routes.
1: past everybody.
0: Right. And if that's the case, and I mean, I think we have seen enough of Tulu Griffin to know he's got good speed. Is it elite speed? I don't know. He was a track guy. Maybe Teddy Knox could be that guy. You know, I don't know. I think Knox is more of a slot guy, though. That's the one thing that... About, <laughs>
1: I kind of forget about Knox coming in yeah, and things like that. A, a, yeah, but I think he's going
0: to be a big, big part of this. I think you're right. I think Rufus Harvey's going to have a role to play this year. You know, at just because point, At some point, there's just so many guys. Well, but again, and let's go back to 2019 Washington State. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys. S- seven guys with 43 or more catches. So there's balls to go around. <laughs> Everybody's going to get theirs. Everybody's going to get, 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 get make some catches. And then you had another two guys with 19 and 17, which is, you know, under, under Moorhead and Mullen, that might have been your third leading receiver. <laughs> um, th- th- That's the one thing about Leach's offense that I, I don't get is the lack of flexibility for moving guys in and out. Now, maybe that's just because, look, we want – they talk about repetition all the time, and if you're moving guys from, you know, your route is different from the slot, yeah. from the left slot to the right slot, from the right, you know, outside to the left. And if you're moving around, it might be too much to learn. You just want to learn that. one. I get that if that's the case. It just seems like. The know, word that Moorhead used all the time was cross-training. Yeah, I mean, but you see how that worked. Yeah. The only thing I can think is, you know, like I so said, the repetition obviously is what, it just feels like, there 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 should there might be some matchups you're not taking advantage of. Where, you know, from a personnel standpoint, you might end up with a linebacker out there. A linebacker on Jaquarius Spivey is not a huge mismatch. A linebacker on Tulu Griffin is a problem. All right. He's going to get away from him. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm not I'm certainly not going to tell Mike Leach, who's been doing this all this time, hey, maybe you want to mix it up a little bit, but Yeah, you know, we, we looked at these stats last year and tried to wrap our brain around them. And this year, you know, we I feel like, you know, we have a little bit better uh, idea of how it will look at State. I mean, last year for Mississippi State, you had four guys with 43 or more catches. Uh, Marks, Wally, Osiris Mitchell, and Austin Williams. So we're talking about three more guys. And then you had Heath and Dylan Johnson who were at 37 and thirty-six. So can they both get 10 more catches apiece? And then between Payton, uh, Spivey, Tulu, Makai Polk, Ducking, two more guys at 40-plus. I mean, that seems yeah, doable, it right? It seems
1: doable. And, and you got to remember, too, that it's going to help State from a statistical standpoint, you would think, to play four non-conference games. Yes. And, I mean, I guess it depends upon... How good those four non conference teams end up being. But, I mean, you can almost, you would think there's going to be at least a couple of those where state can have some of the, kind of like the baseball team, whenever they play, you know, North Alabama or somebody, they have those stat padding games a little bit. You kind of feel like state's going to have a couple of those. Probably. I mean, I, you know, you got one of them, right? Who is it? Tennessee Tech or whatever? State. Tennessee State, whichever. You, 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 if may, maybe you end up with whether it's against Memphis or somebody, you, you end up with a big offensive game there. Too. You you just feel like there's going to be a couple of stat padding games. So, in answer to your question can you can you add what you asked? What'd you say? Ten more catches? To those yes, I, yeah, would, I would. I would imagine think so. so.
0: Especially when you're talking about more, never mind non conference games. You just got two more games. You yeah, just got more games. Yeah. So, yeah. I love trying to project the stats for this offense. It's almost. It still hurts my brain to do. It. When you couple trying to project
1: Leach's offense onto Mississippi State like we did last year, mm-hmm. that hurts your brain. Yeah. But then when you mix in the offensive inconsistency of last year on mm-hmm. top of it, and trying and now to project extrapolate it better. to this year, yeah, it makes it. Whenever we do our preseason, everybody tells you what we think yeah. this team's. Got. I have no idea what I'm going to say.
0: Yeah. No, you're on right. Some
1: of that stuff. You know, I wrote the the football previews and things for the Athlon magazines and stuff coming out, and and one of the – in, like, my intro to that, it was almost like you could convince – basically my intro was saying you could convince me this season goes either way. Yeah. And I would believe you.
0: You know who I think the odd man out might be in all this? is Javante Payton. I just feel like he's been recruited over at this point. Between Polk uh, with Ducking coming in. Knox coming in. Knox coming in. And then, of course, you know – we aren't really, because of spring, we're not talking about it, but guys like Jacoby Moore and Antonio Harmon coming in. I think Harmon has a role to play, maybe as a freshman, because he's such a big target. State doesn't have that. They have it with Spivey, but Harmon is actually a wide receiver. Uh, Peyton is a guy that, if you told me at the end and, and of the year. Spurrier
1: loves him. Yeah. Apparently. If,
0: if you told me at the end of the year that Har- but Peyton only has like maybe 10 catches, I'll believe that. But like at the same time, you know, you saw him in the first game last year. If he'd come back and told me he has 50 catches, I could believe that too. But he's the guy I think – I don't know if that's going to be the case for him. Who, who's the guy outside of Wally that you think – you is it Austin Williams that you feel like they can rely on him? Yes.
1: Yeah, because, look, even – I think Malik Heath could end up having a big year, but I'm not as confident in say like, Austin Williams, I know he's going to get his. He's
0: Renard Bell, 54 for 579. Yeah. Last year, Austin Williams was 43 for 372. You'd like to see him get over 10 yards, but –
1: yeah, and I'd He'll like take to see. Nine. I know it's not on the stat sheet that you got pulled up there, but I'd love to see what Austin Williams' yak yardage was. It's not much. It's not much. No. Um. But it doesn't have
0: to be. I mean, you need that guy sometimes. Well, <laughs> yeah, you just need somebody that you can rely on on third and five to sit down in the middle of the zone and catch, catch the, the ball and get the first down. Yep. You know not. Not everybody's role is to be able to break a tackle and turn a short pass into a 60-yard gain. Some guys, just I just want to throw them the football and get the first down. Move the chains. That's what Austin Williams provides. One of the most sure-handed guys. Now, unfortunately, he has the, I don't know if stigma is the right word, but I mean, I think of that fumble in the egg bowl. But even he'll tell you, it's like, I, it's because I did something the coaches told me not to do. You yeah. know, I think about that play all the time, by the way. I honestly think State wins the game if he scores there. I think we'll never know, but you probably. I kind of feel. I feel, tend to I feel agree like State had a lot of momentum because remember, right after that, they, you know, they, they returned that fumble and then they scored on the next play yeah. to make it fourteen nothing. Well, State I mean, State scores are at seven seven. So they almost won the game anyway. Well, that's what I'm, that's my point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, my point,
1: so yeah. So yeah, you're exactly right.
0: State's four leading receivers next year or for 2021 will be go four leading receivers top four. No no, no backs. I'm talking about receivers.
1: Okay. Uh, Wally. Uh-huh. Malik Heath. Uh-huh. I guess I'll go Austin Williams just because I think he'll have the volume to really okay. put up some numbers.
0: And the fourth one's the tough one. It really feels It like.
1: really is. Um, I know who I'm going to pick. I don't feel confident in saying ducking or... Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll say Polk.
0: I'll just... I'm throwing out a... I like Polk. I'm going to say Wally, Heath, Williams, Knox. I feel like Knox, the speed he gives him, he and Griffin give MSU the kind of speed it has not had in a long, long time. Real game day SEC speed. So I feel like he's going to be a guy that they're going to look for a lot. Yeah, Him being here now helps a lot.
1: I went Polk just because, and I may be dead wrong, I... I feel like he will end up winning that other outside spot. And so basically I just picked the four that I think will be the four starters. Yeah, that's <laughs> but, the case, yeah. But I, I may end up being wrong there. You may be exactly right.
0: We'll see. We'll see where it goes.
1: All right, uh, tomorrow's show will be recapping. We, uh, you got some for me? Well, I was, we're going to hit on basketball comings and goings. Yeah, I guess we D- could do that. Davon Smith. That was really the main thing. Yeah, well, I mean, the women. Well, the women, too, got, picked up a humongous – I say
0: humongous. Yeah. Uh, and they, they
1: picked up a, a, a solid piece Well, I mean, they've the they, they got a project. few more to get. Yeah, they do.
0: Um, but it was a decent start. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, we've seen, what, five players? That, of, of the five players that were out, we'll be totally honest. Like, Sidney Cooks, Yamaya Morris, not huge losses, no. right? Mingo Young, I thought she played really hard, but she's not the most talented player in the world. Matharu and Madison Hayes hurt. Yes. Those are good players that you wanted to keep. All you need this girl to be is Mingo Young, right? Right. Right. If this girl can be a more a better scorer than Mingo Young, then you, you've upgraded here. The uh, problem
1: is, who are you going to get that's as good or better than what Madison Hayes and Matharu? That's going to be the that's issue.
0: That's the issue. That's definitely going to be the issue. I'm trying to find this girl's name. I just, here it is. Uh, Dracayla Jordan. She was the AAC freshman of the year at Tulane. Averaged nearly 17 points per game. Had a lot of offers out of high school. From Your last high name's school. Jordan and you play hoops. Yeah, it's a good start, right? Good start. I saw somebody tweet at Kevin Durant. It's like, hey, man, why don't you go invent a time machine and see if Prime Jordan wants to play with you. Might as well go all the way, right? <laughs> um, so that's a good thing for MSU on the women's side. On the men's side, we've been talking about it, trying to keep that team together. Davon Smith is out. He has hit the transfer portal. Uh, we'll be leaving Mississippi State. That's a that's a big blow for me. I thought he was a, a good player. And he got better and he better. He got better and better. He was, his best game was his last game. Yeah. And he really looked like he was going to be the guy there. But we have to sort of put we have to do put on a detective hats a little bit, and it appears that MSU is going to be able to strike a couple of guys in the transfer portal. The top target right this second is Memphis swingman DJ Jeffries, uh, formerly the top recruit in Mississippi two seasons ago. Uh, he has entered the portal. All indications are that he is heavily leaning to Mississippi State. That's just the rumor mill right now. We'll see where it takes us. But well, I mean, where were we at on this a year ago? You know, we were looking at
1: Mississippi State's roster and like. I don't know what Ben Howland company is going to do, and then they basically remade the entire roster kind of deal, yeah. and, and you kind of felt good about it by the end. I mean, at this juncture, you kind of just got to sit back and, and see how that plays out because after what he did last year, I, I kind of feel confident in the fact that Howland's going to bring in a piece or two that can right contribute. And if you know, and I don't know what all those guys are thinking, but assuming that you do bring back DJ and Iverson and Tolu Smith, and if you add Jefferson, I mean that's yeah. that's still
0: a really darn good there, team. There's, and there's some hot. I'm even going to speak the other rumor into existence. I'm going to let the other rumor. It's out there. It's out there. If you've seen it, you've seen it. If you have it, well, you need to. You know, I I I think our friends over at 24/7 do a great job, and maybe you should you know spend a little money with them if that comes to fruition. That is a tournament team, no doubt in my mind. Yeah, 100. <laughs> if he doesn't make it, you have to fire him. That's simple. One last thing before we go. Let's talk about peace in our time. Okay. Let's talk about Lane Kiffin hosting a seminar entitled "Getting" or basically what you do with a law degree in non-legal careers at the Ole Miss School of Law, with keynote speaker Mike Leach. Mike Leach is going to speak at the Ole Miss Law School on Monday. What? I can't <laughs> wait to see this. How does this turn out? It should be fantastic. I, can you imagine such a thing? Can they live stream this? I'd tune in. Yeah. Yeah. What? What? What is the name of the seminar that Freeze would host that Mullen would be a keynote speaker at? What is that seminar? Vice versa. What would... Well, yeah, I mean, the other way it would be like, you know, I mean, honesty and recruiting, and and and, uh, and, and Freeze is going to come in and speak. <laughs> All right, so we got some questions here for you. Uh, number one, are you kidding me? <laughs> um, what would what would Freeze is hosting Mullen? I'm trying to think of what that would be. Respecting your enemies? I don't know. I don't know what it would be, but this is fantastic. Something I could never have imagined. I can't, Jackie Sherrill was never going to speak to the Ole Miss School of Law. Except to call them a bunch of bastards, maybe. I don't know. I wonder how this
1: works. Like, does state have to sign off on anything? If for Surely they have to sign off, regardless if it's Ole Miss or wherever. Surely they have to kind of give permission, or do they? I would think so.
0: I, I mean, would think it, that they have to Not say, because it's Ole Miss, because it's... Well, I mean, because your head coach is going to go speak. Yeah, they, that has to be approved. You would think. Yeah, I'm sure Cohen had to be like, yeah, sure, okay. It's such an interesting thing, though.
1: Which, I mean, at the end of the day, it should be viewed as, you know...
0: People, it should be good. It is a good thing. Yeah, a good thing, and people furthering we'll their see. education and. We'll see how this goes. Uh, Kiffin is the moderator. Is the funnier part to me. What's he gonna do? You just can't help but feel like this is more of a game than anything. Is this? Is the setup? Are they gonna take him out? Because
1: Kiffin we, is. Do we need
0: to be there, Joel? <laughs> Kiffin is such the like prankster on social media right. and stuff. Like he's gonna show up. Leach is gonna show up, and it's gonna be like a a gotcha moment. You know, like the first person is gonna stand up and ask. You know. So, Coach, you know, tell me about that tweet you did or something. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I I know I don't trust anybody up there. So we'll see what happens. So odd. It is really. And what's made me sad, not sad, but he tweeted that right after he got off the air with us. We could have talked about it. That would have been a great topic. I don't know. Maybe that was purposeful. It had to have been. So we'll see. We'll get him on. Maybe we can get him on the podcast to uh, talk about after the fact. So we'll see. All right, guys, tomorrow's show, we're recapping uh, baseball and everything else happens football-wise. We'll talk about that as well. Have a great day, great start to the weekend. It's a little early start on this Easter weekend with baseball tonight. For Joel T. Coleman, I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. A Super Talk Mississippi Ah! media production.